All right, yes, we're a little low tonight because of fair, I'm sure. People are out and about doing other things tonight, um, but they can listen and catch up because we are gonna start a new series. And our new series we're gonna start is on prayer. We're gonna talk about some things I hope that you don't know about prayer. Um, I want you to know them in the end, but I'm guessing you probably maybe have never thought about prayer this way, or we want you to kind of gauge and understand what is happening in prayer. Prayer is something probably much more complicated than you think about, and yet it's simple. Both complicated and simple. And we're gonna talk a little about what is complicated and what's simple about it. So in my personal prayer experience in life, um, I've had times where I've been really good at praying and really faithful at praying, and I've had times where I've struggled being faithful at praying. Every day, uh, when I've prayed every day, I've found that at least my attitude towards the things that happen during the day uh, is a bit more understanding and a bit less stressful. So that's my personal experience in prayer. I've had some times where I've prayed for seasons, for long seasons. I remember when I was young, um, my grandfather was a smoker. And I was probably six years old. And I didn't grow up around smoking, but at the time when I was six, there was lots of big campaigns about stopping smoking and all that. But my grandfather had smoked for years and years and years. And around that time I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed about it for quite some time. And one day, I found out from, I think, my mother that my grandfather had quit smoking. And he quit for, uh, for the rest of his life, what ended up being the rest of his life. It wasn't that he didn't have some consequences at the end of his life from smoking for all those years. Um, but I wanted him to stop, and so I prayed. That was one of my personal experiences where God answered my prayer, okay? One of those things. And I prayed, I think I prayed, I don't remember whether it was for a couple of months, tried to pray every day and remember and think about that. So that was one of those things. And then uh, one other one that sticks out in my mind over my lifetime was when I was about, I don't know, 19 and a half or 20, and I prayed. I went and talked to a minister, um, a family friend, and I talked about a wife, because that was on my mind. Who am I gonna find for a wife, okay? And his suggestion for that was what he did many years ago, and he said, I had a list for God, very specific list. And he told me a couple of the things that were on his list. And one of the things he remembered on his list from many, many years ago was he wanted his wife to have red hair. That a funny thing? It is, but everybody has a preference, right? And he put that on his list and guess what? His wife had red hair. He was a minister for many years uh, and had been at a few different churches over his many years. 
Um, he ended up marrying a, a pretty lady with red hair, and what he told me was everything else on the list was answered. So he challenged me to do the same. And so I did. And I went back home and I started to pray. I wrote a list down of all things that I wanted in a wife. And I think there was around 24, 25 things that I wanted in a wife. And I prayed faithfully for that every day for over two years. Prayed and prayed and prayed. And there wasn't much, I will tell you, for those two years, there didn't seem like much opportunity coming along. One day, one of my old bosses that I had worked for called me up and said, I've got this thing I wanna do. I've got a friend who's got a friend. And I'm like, oh great, this is gonna be terrible because I had seen those blind dates and tried those blind dates and they were always disastrous. But eventually we got hooked together and I met my wife today. And with that, two and a half, two, two plus years of praying for that, I could go down that list. And after we've been married now for almost 20 years, um, this year will be 20 years, she covered every single one of those things that I prayed for. Every single one of them. All right? So don't think God is unable to do it. Now, it's not like the power of positive thinking. That's not what we're talking about. Um, thinking positively is a good thing. It's good for your health and good for a lot of things. But the power of positive thinking doesn't make God move. So what is prayer? That's where we start to get digging into it a little bit. What is prayer? Now, the other day, I had another thing that happened to me. And four days before we were supposed to go on a trip, my vehicle broke down. And I prayed that it would be fixed. All right? I prayed as I started to work on it. And I tried to figure it out. And I prayed, God, help me. Show me what this is. Help me to be able to do this. And I did one thing which I was led down that track and it wasn't quite the right thing, right? It was fine that I did it, it didn't hurt that I did it, but it didn't fix the problem fully. And so it ended up, in the end, I did find out. But as I was ready, I was like, God, you gotta get this done because we leave on Tuesday morning for vacation and it was Thursday before that it broke down Friday I tried to work on it, Saturday I tried to work on it, finally I, I had the idea of what I actually thought was wrong with it, ordered a part and it was supposed to come on Monday night. We were supposed to leave Tuesday morning early. And in the end, I waited, waited, waited and it was supposed to be from Amazon and I watched that part and it said by 9 p.m. on Monday night and I thought I'm gonna get it and I'm gonna put that part in, and I don't know how it's gonna work, but hopefully God's gonna make this all work. And I got to about 7.30 on Monday night, and I'd been watching to see if it had been delivered to the house, we were out doing some other things, and finally I look, and it's changed its status from 7.30 Monday night to 7.30 Tuesday night. 
or 9 p.m. Tuesday night. You know. So did God answer my prayer? Well, <laughs> yes, but it wasn't the answer I was expecting. Meanwhile, he worked in many other ways, and he had a different plan. And I know some of the reasons why he had that plan. But he had a different plan, and I had to be willing to step back and say, all right, God, that's a, fair, that, that's a clear no for tonight, right? It's not going to happen tonight. I'm not going to be able to fix this, so what do you want me to do? We're supposed to leave tomorrow. And we kind of worked on an alternate plan. Clearly God said, nope, you're not doing this. I want you to do this. All right? So sometimes the answers aren't exactly like you want them to be. Sometimes they're a little more difficult. Okay? And sometimes that process of walking through and listening and looking for those alternatives what else could God be saying to me right now? What else might He want me to do? Sometimes if you get on there and you say, I want this, God, and you run down that track, and you keep running and running and you're not listening, you may hit a brick wall before you realize, oh, that was a no. Alright? But if you listen carefully and watch and look and say, God, you, you got to show me the steps. you got to help me understand what you want me to do. And then listen and be willing. It wasn't what I wanted to do. But it's what he wanted me to do. Right? So you watch and you look. And in the end, I went on vacation. Because I wanted everything fixed before I went on vacation. Because I would feel better. Right? And God said... It isn't all about you feeling better. You have to trust me and let it go. You're going to go on vacation. You've got to let it go and not stress about it to see if you can fix it and what it's going to be like and is this going to work and the part that I get, is it going to work out and all of those things. Don't stress out about it. Let it go and trust me the whole time that I'll take care of it. I'll give you what you need it may not be what you want, but I'll give you what you need, and we'll get you there, all right? So God's answers sometimes are different, and we're going to explore a little bit of that. Let's start to look at prayer, first of all, in 1 John chapter number 5, as we describe what is prayer like. What is it that we want? What is it that God wants for us, and how should we approach prayer? 1 John Chapter number 5, verse number 14, please. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Okay, so in that verse, there's a few things we need to pick out. We are supposed to have something. What do we have about our prayer? Confidence. Confidence. All right. What does that mean? What does confidence mean? I believe it's going to happen. Um, I believe it's going to happen. All right. I believe it 
will happen. All right? So, in other words, I'm saying God has the ability to do this. I believe it's going to happen. Now, what's going to happen? That's the next part, right? And there was a couple more pieces in there. We have the confidence in what? In God, specifically what? What? In Him, that He hears us. There's one thing, right? So there is a big... There's a lot of questions that people have on this where we struggle, we pray, and after a while we're like, I don't think He has even been hearing me. I think I'm wasting my time praying because it's been forever, right? So in my experience, and though it was a, it was a shorter experience, I prayed for two years, right, for something, and God did answer that in two years. But I'll tell you, after year one, you're like, there's nobody on the horizon. There's not even a glimmer. When you're in eight, month 18 and there is nobody there still, you're like, is he even hearing me? When you begin to pray and work through prayer and understand, you want to know, have confidence, he's listening. That you can be assured of if what? That's what's in that verse. One more thing in that verse. One more last big piece. If it's according to his will. According to his will. All right? So we have that piece. According to his will. Now, I told you about the vehicle, right? And I wanted to take it on vacation. And I wanted it to be ready. And I didn't want to have to worry about it. And that wasn't God's will. That didn't mean that I couldn't pray that he would get it fixed, right? But I had to, in my prayer, understand that I just might not have the answer to this. I might not know what God does want me to do. Clearly, when it happens, boom, like that, four days before, God's trying to say something to me. And my biggest thing is, I should be listening for, what's he trying to tell me? What am I trying to get out of this? Am I listening to God or not? That should be on my mind all the time. He's listening to me. He knows what we said. He has no problem hearing us, right? But we, and we can say, he's listening to me, so is there something else going on? Am I really listening to him? That's part of the conversation. Am I really listening back, or am I just saying what I want and moving on? Do I care what God wants? That's a big question. Do I care what God wants? Or do I just want what I want? That is something that must jumble around in your mind 
every time you think about praying to God. All right, Mark chapter 11. Skip back a few books. Mark chapter 11, verse number 24. Into the Gospels. Mark chapter 11, verse number 24, please. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Okay? Well, there it is. Just what you want, right? Is that what that says? It is. It says that, right? It says that right out. Whatever you desire... When you pray, believe it, and you get it. Okay? Does that mean everything I ever want, regardless of what I pray for, that God's going to give me? That's not what that really means. Okay? There's a caveat in it. And the caveat is no different than this verse, according to his will, right? So it's this thing of, I can ask for a puppy. <laughs> no, don't do it, right? <laughs> and if God says, nah, that's not really what I want for you, right? Because that puppy might tie you down, and I need you... I know these circumstances I'm going to make, and I want you to go do this. But if you were all worried about this puppy, you wouldn't be focused on this. Now that's just an example, right? For God's will, it's very specific sometimes. It's not right or wrong to have a puppy, right? And I could pray for a puppy, but if God says, I have something better for you, but you need to understand it, okay? So he's got different answers. Now, is he going to do it? Does he want... He wants to give you the desires. What you desire. He loves you. He wants to give you your desires. He wants to make sure your desires are right. Because I can say, well, I want to do something and it'd be really bad for me. And he knows that. And I'm like, I don't care, that's what I want. And God will, might say, I don't want that for you. I want something better for you, right? Sometimes it's just plain old, I have this great plan for you. And you aren't aware of it all. So I'm looking for you. You say you want this which is kind of like my second best for you, but I want the best for you. Something bigger, something further, something more purposeful in your life, okay? I want you to have this. And so he creates this, he gives this, all right? So let's look at this. Second Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to kind of go back and forth in a few different spots. We're going to look at a couple of different specific situations and God's answers. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 7. 
8 and 9. And this is Paul. He has an answer from God on a prayer. He specifically asked for something. This is what he's been told. Uh, chapter 12, verse 7, 8, and 9, please. And lest I should be exalted of a Keep reading. You can do 8 and 9, please, also. For this thing I besought the Lord's grace that it may depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, my, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my enemies than the power of grace for All right, Paul had something wrong with him, something physical in his body. Some people think. It had to do with his eyesight. We know from a few clues in his letters that his eyesight was bad. Um, may have had runny, pussy eyes, things like that. Could have been a problem. Definitely a problem if your main goal is to write letters and teach people, right? So it's a hindrance. Maybe that's it. Maybe there was something else more physical, more um, whatever it did. It said, he said, Satan used it to buffet me. Now, buffeting is kind of an old word. Basically, to beat me up. He constantly beat me up. Because God was giving these great revelations to me, and I was thinking, oh, look at this, look at this, look at this. It's so great. And then I would be reminded of my humanity when Satan says, yeah, little puny, weak guy, look who you are. You're nothing. And I'll just hold you down with this physical problem. And he said, God, I asked God thrice, I asked him three times, please take this away from me. And what was God's answer? This grace is good enough for you. That means, no. That's God's answer, right? He said, take it away from me. That's what Paul asked for. And God says, nope, I'm not going to. So sometimes, now, that's easy to say and read about somebody else, right? I've got this sickness, this thing that's wrong with me, and you said, if I believe, here I am, right? I didn't just, I'll, I'll pray it and I believe it and it'll happen. And God says, nope, I'm not taking that away from you. My grace is sufficient for you. That means not only no, but I'm enough. I will give you enough. I will supply you with enough. I need to be enough for you, you need to come to me. Right? So that's one of the first big answers of prayer. God says. So is he listening? Yep, he's listening. Sometimes he says, no. No. And I am going to make sure it's used for a purpose. Not no to be mean. God has a purpose, God has a reason, God says, I'm doing this not just to be 
just to hold it back, hold you back. I'm doing this so you come closer to me. All right? And oftentimes that can be an answer. God did listen and he did answer. It wasn't what I wanted to hear. But he answered. You might have an opportunity and your opportunity might be to grow. Okay? Sometimes it's a plain old no. Sometimes there's not an explanation with it. Sometimes it's a no with a, I'm going to use this for you to grow. Or sometimes there's another opportunity that comes in. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 10. We're going to read verse 10 through Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. Now, this is something you need to know. Get a little background for this. Jeremiah is a prophet called the Weeping Prophet. And he is talking about Israel being taken captive by Babylon. More specifically, Judah, okay, being taken captive for a whole length of time. In fact, 70 years, they're going to be taken captive as a nation. That means they're going to be slaves. They're taken from their home country and taken out. Now, they had done several things over many years to do this. And God told them and told them and told them. And this is a consequence. But Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because he has such sorrow and sadness. He comes to God and he prays and he asks for a change. And he says, can't we get out of this? Can't we do something different and not be in captivity? Verse number 10, chapter 29 of Jeremiah up through verse number 14 as we read about God's answer. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. For thus saith the Lord that 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to Okay, keep going, verse 11. Wherever, somebody. For I know the thoughts I have think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall he call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me, and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found in you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away, from, away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations, and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again unto the place where I caused you to be carried away captive. All right, so this is his answer to Israel. You're going to pray for 70 years. That's a long time to pray for something, right? You're going to pray for 70 years. You're going to be in captivity for 70 years. And then after 70 years, I will hear you, listen to you, and bring you out in 70 years. So is he answering prayer? Yep, he is. 
It's not very fast that he's answering the prayer. Did he hear? Yeah, he knows what the problem is. He knows what is going to happen. But what is he doing specifically? It says, and here's one of the verses, we give to a lot of graduates and we give to a lot of people who are going out in their life. And here's what God's going to do. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Right? I have these great thoughts for you and I'm going to give you something in 70 years. All along the way, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to teach you. And in 70 years, you're going to get out. Many people probably were gone. And the whole generation of people gone. And the next generation would get out. So half of what happens here, God says, yep, you're going to grow. But this is going to be my answer is... We're going to be slow. Sometimes there are times in our life where God says there are other situations happening. The world is changing. These people over here are doing this. The people in your relationships are doing this. Sometimes people like, I want a spouse right now. I'm so ready to do this. Guess what? The other person may not be. Or you may not be really ready like you think. And so some patience is required in these things, and sometimes a lot of patience. But never forgetting that He hears us. Always believing that it will happen. Right? God's going to do this. And so what do you teach to your children if you are the one that was given this promise in Jeremiah and you live in captivity? Do you say, forget about it, he's not helping us? Or do you say, you're going to see it in your generation. When you grow up, you're going to be free. I've lived through this the last 30 years, and you're going to live through it another 40, and when you're 40 years old, you're going to be free. And I believe it, and I trust God, because He does what He says. And so when God has a specific promise, it's always true. It's always real. It's always for sure. We do it, right? Sometimes the answer is slow. And normally, during a slow process, is grow. Right? You're going to grow in patience. If your patience is already perfect, then I guess you don't have to worry about it. Right? But if it isn't perfect, then you grow, and you grow during that length of waiting. And you start to understand that life is not, give me everything I want right now, how I want it. It is my relationship with God is the most important thing. And if you can learn to put that first, you will learn to do things according to God's will. And your fight won't be there, right? You are going to be much, much less resistant to everything. Because God's going to teach you and walk you through things. That comes with, it comes with, 
time. It comes with learning from God. It comes with prayer. Prayer is work. It's a battle. It's an opportunity for growth. And it's the moments that God speaks to you. Oftentimes, He puts one little thought in your mind while you're praying. Sometimes it's not every single time, for sure, but sometimes He keeps going and going and going to you, and all of a sudden, He puts something in your head, and you're like, I never even thought of it that way before. I never understood all that. Right? So, God does that. That's God's answer sometimes is slow. Okay? Acts chapter 16, verse number 25. Chapter 16, verse number 25. Now we've moved to a jail cell. Here is Paul and Silas. They are sitting in a jail cell, locked up in stocks, locked their feet and their hands. They're sitting on the floor with their feet and their hands locked into a bar. Okay? Very uncomfortable position. And they've been there for some time for preaching God's will and helping a lady out of slavery, okay? Demon-possessed slavery, in fact, okay? So there she was being used by her owner to make money to tell the future. It was all fake, right? It wasn't really the future. She was possessed by a demon. Paul helped her out of that, and they get thrown in jail because, hey, she's not making money for us, and you wrecked that. So they threw him in jail, which is... Helping a person, right? But this is what they're doing in the jail cell at midnight. Chapter 16 of Acts, verse number 25. All right, so what did they do? Sang and they prayed. They sang and they prayed. And after that, there was an angel and an earthquake and the whole thing shook and all the doors and stocks locked popped open. Okay? Locks don't open in an earthquake. Jail cells don't necessarily open in an earthquake. There's been lots of them. Right? God came in and says, Alright, I heard you. You're out tonight, right now. I'll open it all up for you. And they prayed. So that was their answer was go right now. Just go. I hear you right now and I do it. And there are people that get those answers quite often in their life. And what are they doing? They are doing God's will. They are working for God. They are working to spread the gospel. They've been with him. They've been talking to him. They've been doing all these things. They're praying and praising God, singing, because they had an opportunity to give the gospel to other people in stocks. Here they are. And God says, go ahead. I'm going to show them my power. Boom. All they open and they step up there and the Philippian jailer comes down and he is going to be killed because his prisoners are out. It is him and his family. He will be executed 
if his prisoners get out. Okay? So it's pretty serious for him. Yeah. Paul and Silas says, we're all here. Nobody went anywhere. And so he took Paul and Silas up to stay in the house with his family. And he becomes a Christian. So God's got a purpose for that. And God uses that. And so God does a grand miracle. Pops open the jail cells. The jail is converted. The jailer is converted. The jailer's family is converted. They, and God says, I'm going to work through you. I'm going to do all kinds of crazy things through you. And so he does. Right? He does just what he says. So these are pretty much God's answers written down in a way that you can memorize and think about them because these are God's answers to your prayers. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's grow. You need to change a little. God needs to do something in you. Sometimes it's, wait a minute, slow down. Time will come. I got that for a few days when I wanted the vehicle fixed before I went on vacation because it's what I wanted. And God says, no, no, that's not my plan. You'll be fine. You've got your opportunities. You've got a way to do it. You can do it. Maybe not the way you were thinking you wanted to do it, but maybe that's how I want you to do it. And then, by the way, while you wait, I don't want you to fret about it. I want you to let it go. And he helped me just not think about it, not fret about it, not wonder and worry about it. So sometimes that's slow, and sometimes it's, all right, now's the time, let's go. And God does those things, right? There were times where out in the... African jungles and South America where they were on the edge of God's doing work where missionaries were out there and they were trying to give communion to the people the native tribes that they were working with and they brought things out they had no wine they had no supplies no resources they had some some little bits of bread and they were able to bring that in and they put water in the cups And they prayed over the cups. And when they uncovered the cups, they were wine. God did that out where he's working, out on the frontier. Now that doesn't have to be in the deepest wilds of Africa. The frontier is wherever God is working. This little community church is a frontier into the community. So what is God doing? Are you in tune with what he's doing here? Not what you want to do, not how you want to spend it. What is God doing in this community? How is he using our church? What's his plan for us? Do we know that? Are we listening? That's an important part of having a church. Listening, right? Are we doing this according to his will or is it just what I want? Do I care what God wants? Or am I just saying, that's what I want? Right? For many years, people prayed for that property behind the church. They wanted that to be where we were. God has never given us that. Not to this point. He gave us this property. He gave us across the road. He gave us further on, down the road. People have prayed for 30 years for that. And God has answered prayers. Not the way everybody thought it should be. Everybody said, well, that's natural. 
But that's not what God's plan was, right? Maybe someday God will do something different, but it's not up to us. It's up to listening for what God wants. You would not know the village as it was if that little tiny one-acre postage stamp with the, with the buildings wasn't given by God as an opportunity to say, go ahead. That's the one you need. Or this house. You would be sitting in this house if this opportunity didn't come up. Mrs. Shaw didn't live in this house because she lived in here for so many years. Right? So these opportunities come when God says, do that. Everybody else had an idea, but God had a better idea. Okay? So listen sometimes. What does God want you to do? All right. Uh, God's going to give you things. Let's go to Luke chapter 11, verse number 5. He's going to give you things. Luke chapter 11, verse number 5. Luke 11, verse number 5. Uh, I will read this story, and I want you to listen because it talks about an annoying friend. Okay? You might have had somebody that's an annoying friend. But let's start with this. Chapter 5, verse 11. You can follow along. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight? Because your friend's visiting you at midnight. And say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Loaves of bread. For a friend of mine is in, in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. So I don't have enough food. I've got a visitor. I need friends. It's midnight. Let me in. Okay? And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. So... They're living in a house, a one-room house. Everybody's finally laid down to sleep. It's midnight. He's exhausted. And there's the friend pounding on the door. I need loaves of bread. Stop. Come back in the morning. Don't wake up my kids. All right? Verse 8, And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he's his friend, yet because of his importunity, or his annoyingness, not willing to quit, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Alright, so he's going to say, No, I really need that bread. Come on, I need that bread. Help me out, I need that bread. Okay, okay, just stop. I'll give you the bread. Stop, just be quiet. Don't wake up the kids, all right? Go home. Here's your bread. How much do you need? I'll give you 10 loaves. I don't care. Just get out of here, all right? And so he gives these three loaves because his neighbor is annoying and won't quit. Verse 9, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son ask bread of any of you that's a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will, he, will for a fish he give him a serpent? Or if he ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? 
If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? All right? So here it is. He says, it's like that annoying friend that won't quit at midnight. Even you humans, if your son asks for bread, you're not going to say, here's a rock. Well, but I'm hungry. Well, I don't care. Here's a rock. Or, I really want to fish. Well, here's a snake instead. Hope it doesn't bite you. Or here's a scorpion. Well, I'm just, I'm just wanting those things in life that I need. God knows exactly what we need. He is not out there to make a little zing and a little twist in your life to make it hard for you. He hears what you're asking for, because we know he does, right? We believe it will happen. We have confidence he will do it. What is his will? He wants to give us good gifts. Sometimes those good gifts involve something that we need and don't even know it. But he's not looking to trick us. He's not looking to try and give us something bad. He's going to give something great to us. In fact, he's got some, the best thing of all. It says he knows how to give us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what we need to understand. And so when he says slow or go or no or grow, those answers are coupled with the Holy Spirit and understanding. And he says, I need you to grow and learn. I, I need you to say no, and it's okay to say no. That's my answer for this, because I need you to, to come next to me. Like Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. I need, you, I need me to be enough for you. And in Paul's moment in life, in time in life, he gave him what he needed. And what he needed more than being healed from whatever that sickness was, at that moment in life, he needed to draw near to God. That was his answer to prayer. And the Holy Spirit helped him to understand that. And so Paul writes about that so that you and I can see that answers aren't always, well, I asked for it, and God says I would get it if I asked for it. You are going to have to be listened to, and you are going to be cared for. You're going to be specifically cared for. And yes, He will give good gifts to you. And they will be just what you desire according to His will. All right? Learning to wrap yourself around God's will as you work for God and do things, you will find that He brings the desires into your life. We will talk about that in a whole other session about desires in your life and things. But He gives you the Holy Spirit. And here's what you need to understand about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is supernatural power. Romans chapter number 8. Supernatural power and understanding to do amazing things. The Holy Spirit turns the water into wine. The Holy Spirit gives you the ability to think clearly in a situation. He helps you to understand things in a bigger light, bigger than other people around you, where you can walk through the fire and not be touched, not be burned. Why does Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand inside, inside the fiery furnace? Because they are there with God himself, standing in the midst of the fiery furnace. 
I'm with you. Sometimes they, they had a real need to be protected there, right? And I'm sure they prayed to God. It might have been as short as God help me before they were thrown into the fire. But they were doing God's work and they stood for God when no one else would. And God says, oh, I've got you. You won't even smell like smoke. I want to protect you. And in there, right in the heart of the furnace, I'll stand right next to you. I'll talk with you right in there. It's going to be beyond what other humans can understand. And that's where prayer becomes powerful because you get to see pieces and parts of the Lord that no one else understands. You get to see and understand what He's doing. It's something different often than we think. Better, bigger, more impressive, more with more understanding and more knowledge and more wisdom than we can even conjure up in our minds some way to do. And so we trust Him and say, what is it that you have for me? Because that's what I really want to learn. That's going to be the best thing. You want to just go? Go. We'll go. You want to say no for me? Help me understand why. Give me something. If you want to say I need to grow, help me to grow fast. Help me to learn these things. If you want to say wait and be patient on this one, go slow. Okay. I can do that. Help me to be patient. Learn. Help me to learn those things, right? So in the process of prayer, what happens? Chapter 8, verse number 22 of Romans. Follow along with this. This is Paul's writing that's tough. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth, that's kind of like birth pains, in pain together until now. So in other words, under this creation that's been fallen in sin, there's pain in creation. It's stunted. It is beautiful, but it's not what it could be because sin has stunted creation. Okay, And the, all of creation groans under sin. 23. And not only they, but ourselves. We also groan. We have, or which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption of to wit, the redemption of our body. So in other words, we're waiting for some day when we don't have to live in this body, where we have sicknesses and diseases, where our health just isn't right, where we get old, where we do all the things, and death becomes a part of what we have to deal with. We're waiting for the day when it's over. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope that we see not, then we do not have patience, or then do we with patience wait for it. So in other words, if we have to wait for something we can't see, we begin to have patience. Verse 26, Likewise the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps our infirmities, or our sicknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Holy Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he searcheth the hearts, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them which are called according to his purpose. 
So here's the Holy Spirit waiting for us. He sees us. We're in this painful, sinful world. We're struggling. The things we say and do just aren't perfect. We don't know a lot about spiritual things. And we reach up in one little tiny prayer and we say, God, help me do this. And the Holy Spirit reaches right down over that and covers it up and says, I've got that one. I'm listening. And he takes it right to the Father and it says, he prays to the Father, intercedes, goes on our behalf in groanings, communication which cannot be uttered. They're beyond words. Death, spiritual connection that the Spirit has with the Father. And they communicate about my need, about your need, about your need, about your need. The Holy Spirit Himself listens and says, I'm going to take that. I'm going to give that right to the Father, specifically connect so that He knows all these things and all these deepest desires and all these things below what that person is. And that person doesn't even know what's good for them. They don't even know enough to ask for the right thing, but I'm going to make it right. I'm going to come up with grow, slow, no, go. I'm going to help them. I'm going to speak right to the Father on their behalf. So that's powerful. That's what prayer is. Prayer is like this. I walk over to a light switch, and the light is off. Okay? I turn the light on. There it is. I flip the switch. Did I put power in there? Nope. Power comes from great big generators off in the grid somewhere. They come down the wires here. Did I create the light bulb? Nope. Did I put the wires in? Nope, none of that stuff. All I did was flip the switch. It was all there. All the power was there, all ready to go. The light that came on was already able to happen, and all I literally did was a meager little thing. Turn the switch on. You can't say, oh, you're so great for, for lighting the world. No, I, I flipped that switch over there. That's all it did. You could flip the switch too. It's not hard. A little kid can flip the switch. That's what prayer is. There's this humongous spiritual power, God himself, waiting for you to just go, please, talk to him. It's flipping that switch. And a little kid can do it. It's not hard. But he is waiting to make the world happen. Because he wants to do things for you. He wants you to understand who he is. He wants you to know how much he loves you. He wants you to do all those things, right? So, God is there. God is listening. Great power he's taking and he's going in and saying, I'm waiting to answer this for you. And all we need to do is flip the switch. It's so simple. But instead, we could come up here and sit in the dark and say, boy, it's dark. And I'd say, Elise, why don't you go turn the switch on? No, 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 it's just so dark in here. Don't you see how dark it's getting in here? Why don't you just go turn the switch on? No, 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 it's dark. But that's the way we treat prayer. It's silly. You could say, speak to God, ask Him, talk to Him, 
these simple little things and we ask Him, instead we're like, oh, no, no, things are so bad without Him. I don't know what to do next. And God's like, but just flip the switch and I'll help with the light. The light will come on, right? As God says, just talk to me and I will help with the understanding. I'll bring that light onto you. I'll help you in all the ways I can. And so with those things, right, with those things, God works, God touches. We know He's going to answer us. We have confidence He hears us. And we're looking to say, are we on the track of your will? What do you want me to do next? What is it that you want me to do? When we begin with that approach with prayer, it's a much deeper, much better way to go. All right? So we're going to look at a couple different things um, coming up. We're going to talk about intercession. We're going to talk about um, petition, asking for the things we want for specifically. How do we do it? What kind of answers do we get from God? And we're going to do a few, a uh, couple more weeks of this in the summertime, talking about prayer and the depth of prayer and what we do. Thank you very much. Have a good night.